Mandalorian pulled off the Star Wars version of Breaking the Internet, a cameo by Luke Skywalker himself. The Nerdcraft Nation crew talks about the highs, lows, and the future of not just Manda, but of Disney's Star Wars in general. This is Austin Hall, and this is The Way. Welcome to another episode of Nerdcraft Nation. We are discussing The Mandalorian Season 2. I am your host, Austin Hall, and with me is Brandon Kessley. Hey, everybody. Chris Walker. Hey, hey. And of course, Jose Lopez. Hey, everyone. So, Season 2, it had things that even in my wildest dreams, I never would have thought would happen. So <laughs> let's get it going. Jose, would you like to start us off? Yeah, so the whole time in Season 2 of The Mandalorian, it had me asking a lot of questions. I wasn't really sure how this season was going to go. In the months leading up to it, we've got all the rumored casting announcements of new characters coming in and characters from the Clone Wars TV shows making cameos and from the other movies making cameos here. And so I thought, oh my god, are they going to try to cram this? And it's going to be another cameo palooza where it's just like the story gets sidelined for the sake of fan service. But I was pleasantly surprised as we went along the season that that wasn't the case. The new characters that got introduced throughout the season either added something to the story or sort of tease something new to the table and help the story move forward as opposed to just being fan servicey cameos. Sure, a lot of the times it did seem like a little fan servicey, but it was good fan service. It was fan service done right, and I applaud John Favreau and Dave Filoni for pulling it off to what seemed like a mountain of a test because compared to how other shows have done it. Like I'm thinking of the CW Crisis episodes when it was just like cameo, 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 but really didn't add anything to the story. So I'm really glad that these guys really pulled it off and they have my full trust now with what they're doing with Star Wars. It was just amazing to see. Satisfying conclusion to season two and I'm excited to see more. It's incredible what they pulled off. I was lucky enough to be smart enough to watch all of Clone Wars and all of Rebels before seeing season two and the payoffs were absolutely phenomenal. I mean, we had Bo-Katan, we had Ahsoka Tano. I'll get to the final cameo later, but we had Boba Fett. When we were hearing rumors, I was like, yeah, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, Ahsoka's gonna be in, yeah, okay. Boba Fett, yeah, sure, right. Rosario uh, Dawson, ooh. Yeah, and Sky's gonna be in the perpetual rainbow tomorrow, too. <laughs> and... When it became a reality, I was like, oh my God, it felt too good to be true. But for once in our lives, something wasn't too good to be true. It was true and good. So the highlight of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah, no, that's true. God, uh, in hindsight, yeah. The one true highlight to of see, 2020. To see... Uh, you know, Bo-Katan, played by the actress who voiced her, was cool. I personally preferred Rosario Dawson to be a better choice for live action, mostly because I think she's taller. And it seems like Ahsoka Tano's pretty tall. Rosario Dawson seems pretty tall, so I figured it, it would make more sense. And, and if they're both five feet, they just have tall person energy, so it works. Right. Rosario Dawson also has, you know, 
the energy and the presence of the live action actress. She's been doing it her whole career. So and it's that she's a huge Star Wars fan. That too. Yeah. And then Luke Skywalker. I saw rumors that people thought Luke Skywalker was going to be there. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's not going to yeah. be. There were like rumors between like him, Ezra, Bridger from Rebels. And Cal Kestis yeah, from Fallen from Order. Fallen Order yeah. I thought they were going to do Bridger before they did Luke. Yeah, I honestly I actually did too. Yeah. Especially with the rumors of like the dude from Bly Manor potentially playing Ezra Bridger. Yeah. I mean, but who knows? Yeah, maybe he still will. That's yeah, true. maybe he will now in the Ahsoka spinoff. Grogu, Baby Yoda, when he goes and he calls out to other Jedi, like would Ezra be that in depth with the Force in order to pick up on that? Or would only a Jedi that's more seasoned and more trained be more keyed in? That's an interesting question. I would argue that he would based on the powers he displayed in Rebels. Because, I mean, it's a little on the nose, but he has a very, very powerful latent force ability to connect with other beings, whether they're force sensitive beings or animals. You know, and that's kind of part of the whole thing with the Purgles at the end of, of Rebels, that he reaches out to them and connects with them and is able to use them against Thrawn later on. So I would argue that he would be able to. But the reason I think they didn't go with him for two reasons is because one, Luke makes the most literal sense. And two, because they haven't resolved that storyline elsewhere, like throwing him in at the last minute wouldn't make sense for a lot of new folks to Star Wars. But new people would understand who Luke Skywalker is. And Luke being more or less the only remaining Jedi in the galaxy, it kind of makes sense for it to be him. Although I was with you guys and not thinking that they would actually be crazy enough to pull it off. But <laughs> here we are talking about Red 5. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> CGI and all. Awesome. What was your immediate reaction when you saw Luke? Yeah, like, I need uh, to know this before I get my yeah. thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Just because I know you're a big Luke Skywalker fan, so I just want to see what were your emotions at that time? Did you know when you saw that one X-Wing, or you're like, no, it's going to be somebody else? So, I can yeah. give you the full play-by-play if you want. Yeah, yeah I'll take please. That. please. Uh, That's what I'm here so for. So picture this. I'm lying down on my couch watching, and I see that girl who notices something, and I see an X-Wing come in, and my first thought was, was, would Ahsoka drive an X-Wing into the hangar there? Because in my head, I'm like, Luke is out of the question. It's not happening. As much as I'd love it, it's not happening. It's too good. So the figure comes out, and as they light up, I'm looking intently, and like, okay, is it one or is it two? Because if it's two, it's Ahsoka. And if it's one, it could be the dude, the OG. And it's one. And I'm like, okay, all right. And it's green. And I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> it's fucking Luke! It's fucking Luke! And he's going through all of these guys. And I'm like, they're not going to show his face. They're not going to show his face. They don't do that. Yeah. And then he takes, oh my God, it's his fucking face. <laughs> I see the fucking face. The CGI is terrible. I don't care. It's his fucking face. Oh my God. This is the greatest moment of my life as a Star Wars fan. So, <laughs> and then he starts talking and I'm like, oh my God, it's the right voice. It's the right voice. At this point, I'm not even thinking it's Mark Hamill. I'm thinking, oh, it's someone who's really good at doing the voice. And then I yeah. I, I find out later, oh, my God, it was Mark Hamill the entire time. I mean, Jesus Christ, it's hard to get me excited and hyped up for things as a fan. But fuck me. I mean, Luke Skywalker. Austin, I have goosebumps. I, I feel like I was there with you. Yeah. There. <laughs> 
Thank you, Austin. Yeah. The whole time this is going on in my head, I was dead silent the entire time. If you were watching with me, you wouldn't have known a damn thing. You wouldn't have known a damn thing. In my head, I'm like, yeah! Would one tear have just been dripping from your eye? No, there was no outside emotion. It was all in. It was all, oh, wow. you know, my yeah. brain was exploding. Yeah. My brain was going supernova. So I think it's fair to say that was my favorite moment of Mandalorian season two. Chris, let's hear from you. Yeah. On your thoughts so, of this season. I really enjoyed this season. You clearly saw what inspired Star Wars and how Filoni and Favreau went back into the docket and went and chose what Lucas, what inspired him, like Dune and Samurai movies and Cowboy movies. And that was clear in a lot of the imagery. But something that really drew me to this is that it was a story of like a father and son and Mando just being like, I got to get my son to where he needs to be and I got to lift him up as much as I can. It was really beautiful. Honestly, the only issue I have with the show is the fan service because I do wind up with one weird question. Is Grogu alive? Like in the sequel <laughs> series. Oh, that's a big question that fans that's have had. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a big question for me. But like, other than that, honestly, I found it fantastic. Visually, this show just blew me away every episode and it kept just drawing me in for more. And all the guest stars, that was Timothy Oliphant in the first episode, right? Yep. Yeah. Timothy yeah. Timothy Oliphant. All right. Bill Burr proving that Boston is in space is just, <laughs> thank you, Bill. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just happy to know that in a galaxy far, far away, there's a Duncan that's uh, providing you with sustenance. <laughs> Get your blue coffee from Duncan's guy. Oh my, hey, listen, if you got blue milk, you have to have blue coffee. This is the way. This is the way. Before we move on, uh, Brandon, did you want to say anything about the overall show before we go into favorite moments? I really enjoyed this season. You guys already know, and I wrote an article for the site at least halfway through the season. And of course, I've already talked about Rosario Dawson, one of the episodes previously, but I got a lot of what I wanted out of this season and I was very surprised at how balanced the cameos were and that they didn't necessarily steal the spotlight like Jose was saying earlier they were able to tell a coherent story each of the cameos had purpose they weren't just there for the sake of being there their appearances were always justified and it really helped to enrich the universe and enrich the story of Din Djarin and Grogu I'm definitely very curious about what happens next I know we all have the question about whether or not Grogu's alive I'm going to go on a limb and say that he is for a couple of reasons. One, Disney will not absolutely kill off their cash cow. And two, Filoni doesn't like to kill off his own characters a lot of times. He didn't kill off Ahsoka. Like Ahsoka bypassed Order 66. And then as we found out last year, she literally not just survived it, but went through it and saved Rex. Kanan sacrificed himself. Filoni's not cruel to his characters, right? To his heroes, right? That was a little cruel, I felt. I mean, Hera and Kanan Jarrus, when I was watching the show, I kind of thought it was just unspoken of like, yeah, they're together but i didn't realize that they hadn't really consummated their love for each other and then like the classic will they won't they scenario yeah Yeah. and then to do that and from the lose i don't know i felt like that sucked i mean story-wise i guess it worked but yeah like it's very tropey though i don't know if he really needed to die it feels almost cheap i mean i'm not opposed to it completely it's the artist's decision and the story works that's just me i disagree with it but i don't know i think you know that's the only time I was like, nah, they're watching that show. 
That was the only time. I dig that. That was the only time. Yeah. Because every fair. other time I'm like, good job. You did it. So That's fair. All right. I've given a loud pronouncement of my favorite moment of season two. How about we go around the room with favorite moments? Let's start with you, Chris. What was your favorite moment from season two? Favorite character or moment. I already said that I really enjoyed Bill Burr coming back and Bill Burring it up. That honestly was hilarious. And also just, I didn't realize Bill Burr could actually act like that. Like I saw King of Staten Island. And I was like, all right, yeah, no, this is just Bill Burr playing a guy from Staten Island, which is basically Bill Burr playing a guy from Quincy. <laughs> so I don't see the difference here. Yeah. But no, he yeah. acted his ass off. And I really enjoyed every moment that we saw Pedro Pascal's face. I think we got three solid times with face, which was very unprecedented in my view. Moff Gideon wound up being one of my favorite characters because he went full mob boss and the entire last episode he's like oh you could take the baby but you gotta fight me first and i was like oh i know why you're doing this you don't yeah. want to give up the dark saber that's fine why would you that was chef's kiss genius right there just to layer that in so some political discord for the fans i love that even you know if luke didn't come in at the end that would have been my favorite moment when moff gideon and mando were, were sparring because that was really cool yeah it was genuinely brilliant was, and it was like a lightsaber fight too which was really yeah, yeah. I like yeah, that it was slightly, it yeah. I like that it was slightly different. It's just not another lightsaber fight, but like a dark saber versus Beskar spear fight. So a little something, a new twist to the classic formula. Yeah, and Pedro got to redeem his uh, Game of Thrones uh, spear fight. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, he wore a helmet this time. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Do you think that he went and he said, listen, you guys, I got to do something like, listen, you're going to make me sit in this helmet all the time. I got to do something for the streets. The streets need this. Can't look like a chump anymore. Let me learn the choreography for this fight. Let me do it. Yeah. So I am willing to bet my life savings on favorite character, favorite moment for Brandon. But uh, Brandon, why don't you take the stage and let us know what we all know? I mean, this is very common knowledge at this point. You don't need to bet your life savings, yeah. but it was obviously episode five. But Ahsoka. <laughs> Ahsoka Tano and Rosario yeah. Dawson, like that's a match made in heaven. A little more than just that. Going back to the idea of all these cameos and characters having purpose. Ahsoka wasn't just there to make me go giddy. The communication with Grogu, the fact that we even found out his name in that episode. The fact that we found out backstory and learned about his connection to the old Jedi Order. Seeing how much Ahsoka has changed and matured and grown as a warrior and also finally seeing a lightsaber in the Mandalorian. They held back on it for a while. We saw the darksaber before we saw a lightsaber. And this is the first time we've ever seen the white lightsabers in live action. So it just looked brilliant. That whole episode, favorite moment. I mean, the intro to that episode, how she keeps going in and out and turning the saber on and off and like picking off the enemies one by one. It kind of reminds to me there's a boss fight in the star wars the force unleashed video game with a character called maris brood who kind of uses camouflage when you're fighting her and she kind of has like lightsaber tonfas and some shit like that she was like shock t's apprentice back when the video games mattered but yeah it just kind of reminded me of that fighting style and it was really cool to see i'm curious because i know you told us off air at one point that you would have preferred the voice actress over rosario dawson having seen rosario do this 
episode. Has your thoughts changed on that or? So I loved Rosario in the role. I think for me, it's more of a I'm sad that Ashley Eckstein like wasn't fully informed before this happened, because like I agree with Rosario Dawson being in the role and being the live action portrayal, especially given, you know, the height difference and things like that. I mean, Rosario is like my height and Ashley Eckstein is like five feet. If anything, when they do the Soka series, have Ashley Eckstein play young Ahsoka. But like Rosario has to stay the adult version. Like she's just almost by default. She's taller, her voice and everything. And just she just seems like an older person. Right. But yeah, my main thing was mostly just her finding out basically with the rest of us, right? Because she pioneered that character. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But with that being said, it doesn't mean that Rosario is the only actor who plays this character now. Like Hayden Christensen and Matt Lanter both share Anakin Skywalker. That's true. Ian McGregor and James Arnold Taylor share Obi-Wan Kenobi. Rosario Dawson and Ashley Eckstein can share Ahsoka Tano. Like, that's just the way it can be. They weren't paying these, like, full-blown stage and movie and TV actors, big names, to voice act on a regular TV show even though lucas was funding the clone war series for out of his pocket for a while it's not unprecedented it's just like it kind of flipped like katie sackoff was an exception where she got to be the character in live action and in voice but that's just because of like you know it kind of being tailored to her yeah like i think for even said like in the when they were doing clone wars and i was like hey maybe one day you'll be able to do this in live action she was like yeah right and then it was like oh shit it actually happened yeah She's a veteran from like Battlestar Galactica, right? Yeah. And she's also been in The Flash in a couple episodes. So she's, yeah, she's done okay. a lot of things. So, Jose, how about you? Favorite moment, favorite character? Oh, man. It cascaded for me in favorite moments. Like, I had one episode, like, oh, this is my favorite episode of the season, then my favorite moment. And then the next episode just keep getting better and better. For me, I think it would have to be episode five onward. I think first, when we get the name drop from Ahsoka that she's looking for Thrawn, I was like, oh, oh my God, I nut it. <laughs> 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 But then it just kept getting better and better. And then we got Boba Fett back. And then the whole fight, he's like, oh my God, yes. Boba Fett actually being a badass now. And just a, not a one-off villain from the original trilogy. It was like, awesome. I need to update that favorite villain article right away. <laughs> and then from there, just kept going onward. And then culminating, lastly, in the final episode, where we finally get to see Luke Skywalker. At first, I don't know about you guys, but I was either thinking, A, that he's not going to take off the hood, or B, it's going to be Sebastian Stan. Did any of you guys think it might be Sebastian Stan playing Luke Skywalker? I thought Sebastian Yes. 100%. He's in the Disney yeah, money gang. Yeah. yeah. So for a second, like CGI it's Mark Hamill never even crossed my mind. It's like, okay, no. If he's going to take off the hood, it's going to be like Sebastian Stan or somebody else. And then he took it off. I was like, yeah. oh, shit. It's Mark Hamill and CGI. Holy fuck. They did it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's happening. And the funny thing is, like, I keep getting faked out by this every single time, right? Because, like, I was like, oh, well, they're not going to do this. And then they did yeah. it in Rogue One. And then they do it. And then yeah. they did it in Rise of Skywalker. And now they did it here. But, like, every single time I'm faked out, I'm like, oh, they're not going to do this. When they, we know that they have the technology. Yeah. <laughs> but you and know what? The technology. Yeah, and they have precedent. They did it the best here because you really didn't feel like it was going to happen. Like Rogue One, you kind of had a feeling that at some point you're either going to see Darth Vader or Princess Leia because that entire yeah. movie is a one-off movie. Well, Darth Vader was just in, like, set up to end point. like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You saw Tarkin in CGI. Yeah, Tarkin. Oh, yeah. yeah, but Leia was a surprise in that movie. It's like, oh shit, they they actually pulled off uh, Princess Leia. So I think this is probably going to be the longest segment coming up next. Speculation for season three. We've got. So many possibilities so for season much. three. Are we going to get Grogu again? Are we going to get Luke again? Are we going to get yeah. Ahsoka again? Or Let's start with Chris. What do you think we're going to see in season three? I honestly have no idea. The season ends with everything really up in the air. Like Grogu is gone to go off training. I wouldn't bring him back for season three at all. I would like make him have a, come and have a peek and chill out and just be like, hey, I'm training. What's up? 
what's going on? Luke, yeah. Luke feeds me. He gives me macaroons <laughs> once yeah. a week. Like a little status update to Mando once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I got to agree with you. I don't know how they can bring Grogu back at this point. Yeah. But like, I feel like with Bo-Katan, I feel like you're going to wind up with some sort of political thriller element where she's going to try and kill yeah. Mando at some point because she's got to get the Darksaber. Moff Gideon is genuinely the most conniving character on this show. So he will not be held up for that long. I could see him escaping easily. Yeah. Carl Weathers has to pop up again sooner or later. Actually, this is a question I have and someone might be able to answer this. Is Carl Weathers going to be involved with that spinoff? Oh, the Rangers of the New Republic? Yes. I don't know if we know who's in that show, actually. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, think that I know that we know the name. Of... Lead into this show a little bit. It is. Yeah. Well, most of the spinoff that I said within the Mandalorian Tyron and Lime feel like they're yeah. going to tie back into this somehow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's one thing I clearly am seeing coming. Yeah. I think we're probably going to see Boba Fett at some point again, but like probably for like five minutes. And then he's like, yeah, yeah. he's getting his own spinoff show too. Yeah. 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 We're definitely going to see <laughs> Exactly. Honestly, I think that they have so many different directions to go in that they could go in any of them and it probably would be really well done. Favreau knows how to create stories. I'm pretty sure Favreau created Elf. Elf is genius. And if you can make Will Ferrell very likable in a very hateable role at times, I can trust you with anything except Iron Man 2. But, you know, well, that the man did kick off the MCU. That's true. I would say Iron Man 2 isn't really his fault in a weird way. I feel like he had more time with Iron Man 1 than he did Iron Man 2. I don't think they were planning to do Iron Man 2 in phase one. So they kind of had to rush it because like originally they were going to have the first Ant-Man come out in phase one and Edgar Wright left. They would have introduced Black Widow and Hawkeye in the Avengers movie, most likely. Oh, okay. Because I think they were originally shooting to have the original Avengers team, which would have included Ant-Man and the Wasp for phase one, because Ant-Man was supposed to come out in phase one, but then Edgar Wright left. Edgar Wright cast like That's most true. all the main cast, like Paul Rudd. But I do believe they were planning originally to have the first Ant-Man movie as part of phase one. And then when that ended up not being the case, I think they had to fast track Iron Man 2. I'm going to say something controversial. I think Iron Man 2 was one of the better Marvel movies. I actually liked it a lot. That is controversial. (laughs) I'm not going to say it's like top 10 or anything. I think Sam Rockwell's villain is what sold it for me. I like Sam Rockwell's villain more so than I like most of that movie. So I can <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. understand that's where you're fair. going with that. Yeah. I think Favreau's yeah, got better. I think- Chef is better. We'll probably be back for the Armor Wars show with Rhodey. Probably. Back to the Mandalorian. It's so hard to speculate at this point. I think season two almost jumped the shark in a good way, if that's a thing. Anything can happen at this point. I mean, the fact that they have Luke Skywalker at the end of season two, they could bring in a Han Solo. They could bring in Leia. You know, they could bring in Lando. I mean, they could bring in anyone. They could bring in anyone at this point. Like a true jumping Um, shark would. Yeah. Yeah. It really feels like anything goes. I do think we're going to see Grogu at some point in season three, just because he's become a literal cultural icon. And it seems silly to not bank on that to continue, even if it's a cameo. But other than that, I'm not sure. I mean, my speculation is that the book of Boba Fett is probably going to be like a three episode arc inside of the Mando season three. But outside of that, I don't know. 
don't know. Yeah, it's like anything goes at this point. Because, yeah, like, I feel like Grogu coming back, from a storytelling perspective, I feel like his story's done. Mando completed his mission. He got Grogu to a Jedi. He did what he set out to do since the beginning of season one. He's like, all right, I got the kid to where he needs to be. He was a Jedi. He's training. We're good. But at the same time, this, for me, would have been, like, something that would have happened in, like, the series finale. Like, oh, okay. We finally learned Baby Yoda's real name, Grogu. And then he finally gets reunited with the Jedi. Show over. Done. In fact, I would have told you, he's like, yeah, this would be a good place to cut off the show if it wasn't for like the lingering Dark Saber Bo Katan kerfuffle that's bound to happen in season three. Oh, yeah. yeah I, it would have to either think of a good way to bring Grogu back, or it's going to be like maybe Grogu just sending a letter to Amanda's like, hey, Luke, yo, I'm, I'm really feeling this uh, Jedi shit. Call my space daddy to come back and pick me up because <laughs> I ain't feeling it, dog. I, Jedi training ain't for me. P.S. Your weird ass nephew looking at me weird. He sighed at me. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm out of here, dog. They said I can't throw hands out here. I don't know what they're talking about that for. Yeah, tell your boy to chill. We're going to throw some hands. He looked at me at kindergarten Jedi training, and I don't like it. This Jedi kindergarten, nah, bro. Better hold me back. <laughs> he ain't about this life. He ain't about this life. He wasn't living on ships. Yeah. What like, was you on, Tython, son? Yeah, because it's weird. Because I feel like they wouldn't bring Luke Sarah back for a full-on like episode. I feel like we got him for the right amount for like a quick cameo at the end of last season. But they were gonna, really got to be throwing that uh, cash out if they're gonna spend like tons and tons of money on CGI Mark Hamill for like a whole episode or a full season at this point. But who knows, man? Yeah, this one left me with a big question mark. Like what so many things could happen going forward. Brandon, how about you? What do you think for season three? I think we're gonna have to see most of the cast again. I know that's a very vague slash obvious statement. On the one hand, I understand that Grogu's story may kind of be complete, or at least Mando's initial journey was complete with Grogu, his initial task. The finale for season one, he was given the task to get the child of the Jedi. At the end of season two, he got the child of the Jedi. But we don't know what Grogu's ultimate fate will be. Ahsoka was trained as Anakin's uh, apprentice and then ultimately ended up leaving the Jedi Order. We know that in the sequel trilogy at some point there's another Jedi purge led by Ben Solo slash Kylo Ren. We don't know that Grogu was a part of it and there's a lot of canon material out right now that kind of goes in the timeline before the purge and Grogu wasn't part of it obviously because he didn't exist yet. The real life reason he didn't exist yet but he wasn't a part of that backstory for Ben Solo like the little comic miniseries that they had. So I'm willing to bet that he kind of leaves and I want to know where he goes and what happens. Maybe he ends up being involved in the eventual journey to find Ezra or something because he has that connection with Ahsoka. Maybe he turns to the dark side. Maybe he is a template for Snoke in some capacity or he's a, a blood donor for Snoke. I don't know if he was a blood donor for Snoke, for the dark troopers or both. There are still questions even though Grogu is now training. Like Jose and Chris both said, we have to deal with the Mandalore plot where Bo-Katan's going to be an adversary now. She had the Darksaber before. Well, she's she's kind of led Mandalore multiple times and, you know, Empire still kind of got there so is she really going to lead and now that not only is she not leading mando has the dark saber and is the rightful owner by right of combat she's gonna have to go after him in order to reclaim it but are they really gonna have confidence will his journey then be to become the new mandalore he's already a child of the watch so to speak and he is following the path of the mandalore and that's a thing that was very big in the legends expanded universe there was a character Candorus ordo in the knights of the old republic video game that in the second game ended up becoming mandalore one of his missions was to travel with you and gather up mandalorians to his cause to unite the various clans 
and this series has taken a lot of nods and inspiration from the Knights of the Old Republic video game and I think comic series. And so I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being his new mission to try to unite not just his own coverts in the people who follow his religion of Mandalore, but also the people who don't like trying to rebuild the planet that he never got to know. I think that might be his season three plot. Do you think like the other children of the watch will follow him now that he's taken off his helmet and broken his oath? That's going to be part of the challenge. Who will follow him now, right? Because he's made an enemy of Bo-Katan in the fact that he has a dark saber and he's removed his helmet in service of his mission for the child. So he may be a heretic in a lot of ways because of disobeying his religion. So that's the challenge. He now, technically speaking, is the leader of Mandalore, but he has no followers and no one would probably support him other than the combat part. I have a question for you, Brandon, because I know this has come up in fan discussions. So I know some people brought up in a scene in Rebels when Sabine just hands over the dark saber over to Bo-Katan. And she was like, oh, yep, thanks, Sabine. I'll take it from here and lead Mandalore. Can you remind me, why was that okay, but not okay when Mando just wants to give her the Darksaber here? Wasn't that not okay? Thank you, Chris. That's the thing, right? That's the funny thing. Because even Sabine's own mom talks to her about that, you know, before she ends up winning it for real. When Sabine took it, she took it from Maul. She didn't win it from him in combat. And so she technically had no claim to it. Gar Saxon then came and I guess technically had no claim to it either. But he wielded it against her. She beat him. She won the claim. She gave it to Bo-Katan. And I'm wondering if that's something they have to expand upon next season because all that happened before this in Mandalore f- somehow fell back under Imperial rule but in Rebels they freed Mandalore so it fell under Gideon's rule somehow it fell back under Imperial control before the end of the war which probably means that it wasn't okay and that's why she was so adamant about fighting Gideon so that way she could get it they never got to fully expand on that relationship between Gideon and Bo-Katan and that's something that they have to address and, and how also Gideon got it in the first place exactly right the Mandalore story isn't done and they have to come back to that. And that's where I think Ahsoka might have to come back as well. That's actually something that I had in my notes. Did Moff Gideon actually beat Bo-Katan in combat and take the saber? And he's technically the rightful ruler. And now Mando is technically the rightful ruler? Or is there something weirder going on there? Those are questions that they have to answer. So there's definitely enough fodder for eight episodes. (laughs) Could we get a sighting of Sabine? Who knows? Is Sabine technically the true ruler of Mandalore? Not anymore. Although maybe, but probably not anymore. Technicality are weird, man. They are. I mean, the Darksaber is basically Elder Wand logic, right? Yeah. yeah. It is yeah, Elder Wand logic, but they have to close the loop and they have to make sure that it actually satisfies its initial conditions. I hope it doesn't turn into a Game of Thrones thing where they have so many interlocking parts that there's no way they can wrap it up cleanly. That being said, I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, because at least Dave Filoni was able to pull off a good series finale with Clone Wars. Yeah, and this isn't like their first go around, you know? Yeah, he did it twice. Yeah. From a storytelling perspective, I trust him more than what a lot of shows have done recently because in the past year Clone Wars is the only series finale from the past year that I can think of that was a good series finale. Lovecraft Country? Was that also a miniseries? Is that not coming back for season two? I don't know. That's why I'm asking because I think season one was based on a book and I think they went through all the stories in that book. Yeah. I mean but they could go forward and season two could go off book like a lot of shows have done. This is true. So yeah. and For better or worse. If if you see the post credit scenes they kind of it could lead to something else so who knows. That's true. True. But I think Mando has a very interesting 
path in front of him because in the first two seasons he had a purpose and this is the first time we're seeing him without a purpose and he can do anything at this point my guess is that this is the first time in his life where he's at a crossroads how is he going to get around now his ship is destroyed oh yeah yeah the razor crust yeah that's a good point they left it at an interesting point because it's like they didn't leave the ship yeah no it's like (laughs) all right i'm gonna i'm gonna borrow this star destroyer or whatever this was yeah because like they haven't resolved the bo-katan thing obviously fennec and and kara are with them and bo-katan and and her folks are also there gideon is technically captured the dark troopers luke went rogue one vader on them you know who my daddy was (laughs) basically (laughs) all the comparison screens are just fantastic i love that homage oh yeah but how do they resolve that where they can't just all walk away as if nothing happened well fennec was with boba fight at the very end i guess that's also true but the question with that though jose especially since we now know the ahsoka episode it might not have happened after rebels or at least it might have happened before the rebels epilogue since she's still looking for fraud the question now then becomes does that scene happen during the book of boba fett as opposed to after this episode because fennec was with boba fett before right yeah she was before and after in the post credit scene yeah i'm curious how they resolve that also seriously what is moff gideon's end game what is his plan around the empire i feel like yeah i feel like they're teasing the rise of the first order yeah i was gonna say is he responsible for the first order like wh- what is going on they kept dropping hints that's and then we'll restore order to the galaxy they yeah kept hinting at that and that's something strong. that i found very interesting i meant to bring this up earlier it kind of answers a question that i had after watching the sequel series which is how in the world does ben solo have all of those ships and just like everything set up and it's just kind of like well did the empire ever truly go away becomes the question mm-hmm. now and that's what this series like kind of answers a little more in depth but honestly i always thought that the empire working more as a terrorist group going forward would have made more sense for the sequel series but you know so do we have any thoughts before we go to the ratings of this series? yeah i wanted to bring this up to you guys what do you guys think we'll see from the spinoff shows the ahsoka spinoff obi-wan show now that it's confirmed that we're getting hayden christensen back as Darth vader the range of the new republic and the other shit ton of shows that they announced the acolyte Boba fett tv show so many tv shows for star wars yeah yeah. On top okay. of that, we got the Patty Jenkins Stroke Squadron movie, whatever Taika Waikiki's doing. And I uh, think maybe the Kevin Feige produced one is back on. Yes. There was an announcement the today about the writer, right? Yeah. yeah. The writers of the Loki TV show are going to be part of that. Yeah. And now there's new rumors going out that Robert Downey Jr. might play Thrawn. Unexpected choice there. See, this is. Jesus, what, that Thrawn- little movie was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. I yes, mean, was. here's the thing, right? I know I talked a lot about actors sharing live action and animated versions of characters. This is one of those times that I thought they could pull a Katie Sack off because I really thought Lars Michelson was was fantastic as Thrawn in Rebels and I would have loved to see him in live action. I know people have thrown around like Benedict Cumberbatch or other folks, but I think Lars Michelson would be perfect to continue playing the role. But he's not like it has to be a very physically demanding role. He's a phenomenal villain. Yes. He wasn't in The Witcher too long, but I think outside of Moriarty, he was the best villain for the Sherlock series. Uh, that that came out. And Mm. much like Giancarlo Esposito, he's a presence. Every time he's in a scene, you pay attention. And your best villains do that. I feel like I'd be furious if they chose anyone else. I mean, he even kind of looks like it. His uh, facial structure is even exactly the way that Thrawn is. So there's no other choice. 
If he was just a voice actor, then fine, but he's an established live-action actor, and he's already voiced the character, I think he would be, in my mind, there's no other choice. Honestly, it's not like he's Will Friedel. True, true. Yeah. Also, Rebels had a lot of pretty good guest voice actors, actually. Like, yeah. like live-action actors voicing they characters. They got Billy Dee to come back as Lando. Yeah, they got exactly. Billy Dee to come back. Forrest they Whitaker got, for yeah, yeah, they got Forrest Whitaker for three episodes, actually. Yeah, I remember correctly. They and had the man himself, James Earl Jones for Darth Vader. Yeah, for yeah. James Earl Jones came back for a season. They even got Ian McDermott to come back eventually before they had Sam Witwer being the emperor. But then later on, they got Ian McDermott to come back for the final season when they had him pop in. And they even had Ian McDermott redub the Sam Witwer's voice work for the earlier episodes. Did they? Yeah, they did. They re-recorded those older episodes when they re-aired it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that they'd re-recorded those. Okay. I thought it was still Sam Witwer. Yep. They erased him from continuity Yes. Well, I mean, like he's the, still Maul. Like the specialist. Yeah. He's, he has he's still Maul. Maul. So he's good. He's Speaking of which, yeah, I want yeah. some more Maul. I want Maul. Maul's my boy. I want I mean, to know, at, at this I point, know him, what happened show. after the events of Solo. Like, I want to see what happened to him after Clone Wars. During when he rose up, he had a Crimson yeah. Dawn. Yeah, give me a Crimson Dawn spinoff. Up until we see him, uh, like between that and up until we, we got Tim in Rebels. I want to see what happened there. Give me yeah. the Star Wars version of The Wire already. There you go. You were asking about speculation for the spinoffs, right, Jose? So we'll shoot some off real quick. Ahsoka series, we have to see Ezra, Sabine, and Thrawn because we have to know what the fuck happened with them. Probably see the Purgles, which will be very interesting to see in live action. I don't know Those what they're the going to do. Space Wells, right? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do with that, but they're going to have to do it. Maybe we'll get a flashback or two, which means maybe we could, maybe we might get Freddie Prince Jr. coming back as Kanan to do a live action. You never know. For the Rangers of the New Republic, I think it's going to follow an original character or two, or like an original ensemble Yeah. in some case. I think they might follow some new characters. Yeah, I feel like they hinted at Kara, and then the Rangers that showed up in like episode two this season. Yeah. That followed Mando to the Ice Planet. Wasn't one of them Filoni, though? No, that was last season. <laughs> last season, they had it like Filoni, Deborah Chow, and Rick Fuyama and, in the breakout episode where they had to do the breakout yeah. of the prison. Yeah. Yeah. Which I found funny because Rick was directing that episode and then he put himself in it. <laughs> I thought Filoni came back for one episode in one episode though. I don't remember that. Maybe, I know, maybe, like, maybe, the, I, maybe I was wrong. I know the dude from what's it called? Superstore that a lot of people are fan casting as General Iroh came in here for that episode. Uh, okay. That's fair. I keep thinking about the Kenobi story and how Hayden Christensen is going to play Vader. And I feel like the only way would be a scene or two of when he's taking off his mask for maintenance or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it could be flashbacks too to when he was carrying out Order 66. Oh, I see. Yeah, I think it'll be a mixture of stuff. We have to remember that he was Darth Vader before he he got put in the suit. After Mace Windu right. dies and he becomes Darth Vader in that office, but the transformation is complete with the suit. But he was already dubbed Darth Vader before he walked out to carry out Order 66. So technically speaking, Hayden Christensen is playing a role he's already played. Plus, he was already in the suit in Revenge of the Sith afterwards. And they just had James Earl Jones do the voicing, but Hayden was in the suit. So I think they'll have Vader in this series, literally both in the suit and in Flash. Which and I'm I think Hayden will also have to yeah. get James Little Jones back, man. They got to squeeze him out and make sure that he is in pristine health. Yeah. I mean, the man's but- not really doing a lot yeah i mean yeah. he did lion king yeah he did Lion. King. if i were them i probably would have recorded his voice already they don't need to waste his time but i think they're also gonna try to surprise us and give us a fight with them i think they're gonna give us a meeting yeah they definitely tease that in like some of the announcements they've done like oh, i got a rematch like i think you mcgregor's post was like oh yeah i got to rematch with my old buddy which i think would make sense 
There are questions about if Obi-Wan spends all his time on Tatooine, why would he then know that Vader survived? He has to know that he survived, right? Yep. So he probably also, finds out at some point. I want to know if they address why Obi-Wan looks so goddamn old in, in A New Hope. Are they going to make that a thing where like being a recluse takes a toll on him? Because he looks so damn old and then Bo-Katan looks like she's getting the latest pristine spawn treatment to keep her youth going. Some people age. I mean, we've seen Obama age pretty much while he was in office in just eight years. Yeah, but he was president. Like, Obi-Wan just chilling in Tatooine or whatever he's going to do in this show. Was he just chilling? I guess we'll find out well, now. Yeah, we'll find out <laughs> Maybe he was trying to survive, so that stress can age you. Yeah. Stay yeah. 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 Uh, at least I want to see that. I want to see the gray lines start to kick in, those white hairs start coming in this show. We're going to get a lot of unanswered questions with Obi-Wan. Ten years after Revenge of the Sith, what happened? Could we get a Maul cameo there? I don't know. Because I know Maul's always been after Kenobi, but are they just going to save that? Like, no, their reunion will be the Rebels thing and that's it. But who knows? Could be a good way to surprise us. That's an interesting question. Because if Obi-Wan deals with Crimson Dawn, and then that might explain how Maul wound up stranded on Malachor. Because like you said before, we need to see the through line. We need to understand the through line of how the yeah. hell he got to Malachor, right? Because yeah. he was literally stranded there. Yep. I don't even know what he ate. Like, what's, <laughs> yeah, alive, exactly. what's alive on that planet? It. Then again, he's lived through nothing but pure hatred before. So, you know, this is Star Wars. That shit True. happens. True. Yeah. I mean, if they got a mall cameo in there, I would just be so happy. It would be like Austin's reaction to seeing Luke again. It's like, oh my God, he has more to all. Please. Thank you. Rematch. Yes. I mean, Obi-Wan hands off free ass whippings. All right. So are we ready for the ratings of season two? Yeah, sure. All right. So I'll go first. I'm going to give it a nine. Chris, let's hear from you. I give this show a solid nine. How about you, uh, Jose? I'm going to go with a 9.5. Like for the faults that it had, I think probably episode two was kind of like the weaker one, which was directed up Hayden Reed. And then he redeemed himself with the season finale. So I was like, oh, shit. Okay. This show constantly kept surprising me turn after turn. Like I said in the beginning, I was doubting whether they could pull off so many storylines, but yet they did. So that for me is at least 9.5 for me. Brandon? I hate to do this i'm gonna give it an a i'm kidding i'm giving it a nine i really thought you're gonna go like 8.5 <laughs> or 8.8 8. I, really, I really thought you're gonna go there i thought about it but when i realized how i actually felt when i watched the episodes and just striking the progress of the season and just them being able to wrap up everything so neatly i'm very pleasantly surprised at the pacing of the series so yeah i have to give it a nine i never thought i could give two successive seasons a, a nine but here i am <laughs> here we are all right it's time for my favorite part of every episode, Hot Take City! Why don't we have Jose go first? All right. My hot takes for this week. So another show that I feel like has been like The Mandalorian in the sense that it follows an original trilogy of movies and does it to great effect has been the Cobra Kai TV show. But yeah, this is another show that really takes the legacy of a trilogy of movies and does something new with it. We're also respecting what was fun about the originals. It has its fun, cheesy, campy moments. Like I feel like there's been, yeah, some love track angles here but it's never been cringy like the cw shows where every time there's some kind of love triangle conflict i'm like again this show i feel like hit the right balance it has the right amount of cheese not too much not too little just right just how i like it and a great callback to the original there are some characters from cry kid part two that make their way into season three and then some other surprise cameos that was like okay they've been teasing this character coming back for the longest time and then i was glad that they finally paid off later in season three but That's yeah good. but yeah 
yeah, just this show has been doing great, taking care of like legacy characters, just like Mandalorian, respecting the material and sort of evolving that from there. Season one was great in asking that moral ambiguity question, taking the story from the villain's point of view from the original movie, seeing what the experience was like for him, gave us a brand new perspective on these movies and how it wasn't just a one-sided good guy beats bad guy scenario after all. And then, yeah, we have some really great fight scenes. The first season ended with a big tournament fight. And then we had another one, season two. Yeah, if you want to hear a fun fact, I hit someone in a te- with a textbook in high school once and didn't get grounded <laughs> for it. Dreams do come true. That's exactly what happened in the show, too. Yeah, it was earned, too. I'll tell you the story off air. Oh, man. One of the many things that I watched during COVID, along with like Stranger Things and a whole bunch of stuff. But I was pleasantly surprised with Cobra Kai. Thank you again for the recommendation. Yeah, it was um, one of those rare finds that I didn't think it had the potential to be good. And then, oh, shit. It's yeah. Crazy. It yeah. surprised the hell out of me. Very wholesome, very heartwarming. Was that originally like a YouTube original show? And then yep. it got brought over to Netflix? Okay. Yep. It was on YouTube originally for two seasons. And then Netflix bought the rights. And they just started streaming it over the summer, I believe. And that's when it really blew up. Like YouTube okay. had a great show, but it wasn't the right platform for the show. It wasn't getting the right recognition it deserved. And now with Netflix being such a bigger streaming service, we got there. We I completely concur with that, needed. actually. Yeah, I've seen five scenes from the show on youtube before and i they got a great fight choreographer but uh yeah no they know what they're doing over there yeah and i hope they keep it up because i know like for season three i think it was produced by youtube because they were in the process of making it before the sell to netflix so i'm hoping that since they already got a renewed for season four they keep that same level of quality consistency going forward oh yeah well when you make a cash cow you gotta just keep pumping money into it Yep. Yeah. My hot takes. I've been thinking about this a lot, and I think that the sequel trilogy is going to feel a lot like the prequel trilogy in that I think Gen Z, for one, is definitely going to love them the same way that we love the prequels. And I think time heals all wounds. I'm not at the point right now where I'm happy or satisfied with the rise of Skywalker, but I think 5, 10, 20 years from now, I probably will be. So I think eventually we'll all kind of accept what we got. I mean, because even with the prequels, and each time I watch them, I like them a little bit more. So I think that's what's going to happen with the sequel trilogy. Then I have a quick question for that, actually. Do you think that you like them more because of how much more integrated they are into all of the other content that they've given you that is technically prequel content to the original series or is it just something that's aged better than we all thought it would i think a little bit both we all watched it when we were kids i don't remember hating them when i was a kid and then i think there was this period when we were all supposed to hate them and i hated them too and now we're over it but yeah like the clone wars has added to it and i think that the Mandalorian and the other upcoming shows will probably add to the sequel trilogy. You know, I think that the more ground you cover, the more you link things up, it's going to feel more like a cohesive story. Oh, yeah. I feel like Filoni has to clean up that mess, too. Just like our narrative wise. All right. <laughs> Gonna yeah. bring in the how well, the first order got started, help sort these things out. Filoni will do for the sequel trilogy, perhaps what he did for the prequel trilogy, and, and sort of like redeem them, kind of ground them into yeah, what's right. tangible. Yeah, the only yeah. real prequel movie that I hate though is Episode One. And that's it. Yeah. That's the only one where you really can't get past Jake Lloyd's acting. I feel bad for the guy because his entire yeah. life has literally been ruined by that movie. I uh, can't get past midichlorians. <laughs> yeah. 
For me, it was probably I mean, like in Attack of the Clones when Anakin hated sand. And then you went on this friend about slaughtering children and Padme was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're going through some stuff. I'll, I'll leave you to it, buddy. For me, the redeeming grace of Phantom Menace was Maul. And we got what I wanted out of Maul in the Clone Wars. So thank you for loading. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. actually a good point. Clone Wars and Rebels, fairly. My uh, second hot take. Not sure if this is a hot take or not either, but I think that we will get a standalone Luke Skywalker show with Sebastian Stan as Luke Skywalker. And I think that they will find a way to make it so that he looks almost exactly like Luke Skywalker to the point where we forget it's Sebastian Stan. I mean, if anyone can pull off the impossible, it's Disney. So I think we're going to get that. And I, I think I've also seen speculation that there is going to be one. So time will tell. There's been rumors. That's not crazy. Yeah. Disney yeah. and porn, they're, they're just so far ahead in film technology. <laughs> that's true yeah, yeah. it is that's true. like that's the thing about deep fake like where did that pop up first really yeah that's true and vr yeah vr got off the ground with porn faster than anything else anyway off of that <laughs> let's go with chris what's your hot takes recently it was announced that michael b jordan directing creed 3 definitely gonna happen i really need creed 3 to either explain if apollo creed has other children or like what's going on there because i've been very confused and you know in the original rocky movies he has two kids he has a son and a daughter and then with the creed movies he's got adonis from a random affair that happens one night before the fight where he dies and it's just like all right you guys you got this plot hole we'll live with it for this first movie because the first movie is fantastic everyone's so good in it and then you get to the second movie and the second movie is again fantastic and everybody delivers but this third movie please don't do clubber lang but give me answers to what i want also if they do clubber lang i'm gonna be fucking pissed I might throw like a brick through a window or something like that. I don't know. I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be pissed for weeks. Yeah. They like brought Adam, back Dolph Lundgren Drake for the made sense. one and that was great. Yeah. That made sense because he's the one who killed Apollo Creed. So that made yeah. sense for him eventually. Yeah. But like when I heard that the idea of like Clubber Lang, I was like, oh, you guys just let Sylvester Stallone say anything, don't you? Shit. Yeah. I paid like, come on. Is Sylvester Stallone writing the story for the third one too? Because didn't he write it for like Creed I two? actually need to look into that. I I very much hate Tom Cruise. I think that he makes good movies. I think that he's one of the greatest actors of all time, but I fucking hate him as a person. We all know why. I think that what he said was right because apparently they were like trying to cut the space in between people to make it not look like they were six feet away. And he didn't want people getting sick and he didn't want to endanger anybody. And he also is in an industry that he thinks is dying and like it's the principal way for him to make money. So like, I'm not angry about that part, but like to go about it by shouting and talking down to people like that is fucked up. He went about it poorly, but I functionally agree with parts of what he's saying, but it's very hard to agree with Tom Cruise. (sighs) I think that's going to be it for my hot takes today. Brandon, how about you and your hot take? So I recently watched two films. They're definitely going to be nominated for some Oscars. I watched Soul and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and I have to say that I thoroughly enjoyed both for various different reasons, but it was very intriguing to get, especially in the case of Soul, to have a movie 
movie with a black cast that wasn't stereotypically black in a lot of the things that like kind of rub some black audiences the wrong way where it doesn't really rely on a lot of tired old tropes and stereotypes and things that people are just tired of seeing but it just tells a normal pixar like story with a black cast or majority black cast because you know tina fey's character nondescript technically she's blue <laughs> but i thought it was a very interesting film debatable on whether or not it's a kids movie i mean it's definitely a family friendly movie yeah i don't know it's if like it's every pixar movie sold to kids but the message was really for the adults yeah yeah i think that was a very well written film role. son was uncomfortable at different points but no yeah, yeah it was it was during soul that it was uncomfortable at different points because it's very thoughtful I mean, yeah, but like little, yeah like, I literally died, and then what was the whole talk about afterlife, what happens to you afterward, the whole existential exactly, crisis. Yeah. yeah, I thought the through line of the film and just the heart and soul that comes through, well, no pun intended, but that was just very enjoyable, a very enjoyable film and a very thoughtful film. And I really appreciate and have frankly missed, I guess, the normal acting talents of Jamie Foxx. I, mean, I feel like we haven't gotten this level of Jamie Foxx since Ray and The Kingdom. Like, we've gotten him in other movies, but we haven't gotten this kind of Jamie Foxx in a while. Wow. where you can just kick back and enjoy him being a normal person yeah, or him, like, him embodying There was a something. point that yeah. I forgot that this was Jamie Foxx voicing the character. I didn't and also, know it was Jamie yeah. Foxx until the end of the movie. And then Tina Fey as well. I actually didn't know it was Tina Fey until the end of the movie. So I thought they did very well together and it was a very thoughtful film. My Rainey's Black Bottom, different reasons enjoy the film. I didn't realize that it was an adaptation of a play. Oh, for me, you I, could tell right away based on the setting, like how it was basically inside a room for most of the time. Or yeah, a specific location seemed very. Yeah, I didn't realize it until I realized how long they were spending in that room, and I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, this is effectively a one room story. This is probably based on a play. <laughs> yeah, it's like a story of a recording session for a blues band, and the main song that they're recording is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and Ma Rainey was the mother and the queen of blues music, one of the pioneers of that genre of music. And she was portrayed by Academy Award winner Viola Davis. When you watch that, the late Chadwick Boseman is really the heart and soul of the film. He was definitely the main focus of the film, yeah. his character and his inner struggle, even if Viola Davis is the title, um, character, the title character, right? Yeah. A lot of the story focuses on Chadwick Boseman. I think that is in large part to his untimely passing last year, but also just his performance was very strong. And he's a, typically a very strong performer, as we all know. The man was a talent. The man was too good for the stuff that he was doing, even though he yeah. enjoyed doing it. And he was charismatic. He had a presence about him. He had a real aura about him when he acted. And like, you very rarely see that with a lot of actors. Like, I think maybe the closest I can think of is maybe Denzel. Who produced this? Yeah. Who produced this movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and who really influenced the acting and the career of, of Chadwick Boseman because... Chadwick yeah, he was funded able to, a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, he was able to do a program at Cambridge because of Denzel Washington's funding. And Chadwick could make a very small five second role amazing. I'm trying yes. to think what movie is it where Tom Cruise plays a Hollywood agent and he's in a fat suit? Tropic oh, Thunder. Tropic Thunder, yeah. Yeah. I could imagine Chadwick Boseman doing that role and doing it better than Tom Cruise in a heartbeat. Probably. I feel like that is Tom Cruise in real life. Yeah, that movie that hasn't aged well at all. <laughs> Yeah, that, that really is not as well, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, Lord. Different time. But yeah, Didn't it, it was a lot. Did that an Oscar nomination? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, for Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. 
That's right. Oh. <laughs> oh, Lord. But yeah, effectively, I really enjoyed Soul and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I will save any other hot takes for their appropriate episodes. All right. Well, I believe we are at the end of the episode. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and joining and talking and listening to me swear for the first time on a podcast. We finally got it done. We did it, boys. <laughs> we got we it. did it. Done. Well worth the wait. <laughs> Thank you, and thank you for listening. Hi, everyone. This is Chris with The Fact Check. This episode was recorded on January 8th of 2021. In February of 2021, Aladdin actor Mina Masood was rumored to have been cast as Ezra Bridger for the live-action Ahsoka Disney Plus show. This has yet to be confirmed, but Bridger was jokingly referred to as Space Aladdin when first introduced in 2014. The 2015 Ant-Man film was originally in development as a Phase 1 film for Marvel Studios as early as 2006 before the first Iron Man. In 2010, Edgar Wright remarked that the film would be released after the first Avengers. Wright was involved in development until May 2014, jointly announcing his departure with Marvel due to differences in their vision of the film. While there is no explicit indication that Ant-Man's delayed development shifted Marvel's release schedule, Iron Man 2 began production in 2008 with a similar timeline to its predecessor. In February of 2021, it was announced that Gina Carano, who played Cara Dune on Mandalorian, would not return to the Star Wars universe due to her controversial tweets. The character will most likely be absent for future Star Wars projects including The Mandalorian's third season. The 2021 Oscar nominations were announced on March 15th and will be awarded on April 25th. Soul received three nominations including Best Animated Feature and Best Original Score. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom received five nominations, including Best Lead Actor and Lead Actress nods for Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis, respectively. The Book of Boba Fett has been confirmed to be a separate Star Wars show from The Mandalorian. In early March, it was confirmed that Michael B. Jordan will be making his directorial debut with Creed III. Tom Cruise's reign involved yelling at crew members for standing less than six feet from each other, amongst other COVID protocol violations. That's it for the fact check. Thanks for listening. And that's our show. Nerdcraft Nation is a partner of Pub Square Media and is hosted by Austin Hall, Jose Lopez, Brandon Kessley, and Chris Walker. Our theme music was composed by Daniel Ferris. If you'd like to keep up with the show, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Nerdcraft Nation. You can also like us on Facebook or subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Be sure to leave a review if you can. If you'd like to send us a voice message, please check out our show notes for a link to our voicemail inbox.